right. Welcome to the 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stevens. For this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Phil Satimi, PartSource's president and CEO. Dr. Satimi, thank you for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. And I really want to, just to start, can you tell us about your background and PartSource for listeners who may not be familiar with the company? Sure, happy to. Um, You know, I started life as a physician and spent roughly a decade working for medical device businesses, largely um, developing integrated uh, connectivity software for those devices. How do you help those devices share critical patient data with the EMR, uh, building EMRs and decision support systems for EMRs, um, and got to PartSource in 2014 um, and discovered a really interesting business that served a huge amount of the hospital healthcare community out there, had relationships with thousands of suppliers, was playing a really crucial role. Um, And at the time, our hypothesis was uh, they've got some interesting data. Oh, really? What kind of data? So the company had 20 years of longitudinal data on supplier performance. um, And as I mentioned, served many thousands of uh, hospitals, um, you know, each and every year. I think the question we had at the time was, what if you took this data and applied a lot of the decision support concepts and algorithms that we were using in clinical medicine for operational performance in healthcare? And specifically, could you, in fact, improve clinical uptime around devices by leveraging a more resilient, more reliable supply chain, um, specifically by looking at data uh, around whether they had particular items in stock, whether they shipped those on time, whether those products uh, worked when they landed, whether they lasted their warranty period, and could quality and supply chain resiliency play a role in the future of this part of healthcare. Uh, ultimately, that's the business that we push forward on, moving this business that was largely a distributor of parts uh, at the time and accessories into an enterprise technology partner that would help healthcare organizations drive the outcomes they were looking for, which is, can I spend less money doing this uh, work, lowering my total cost of service? Could I improve the productivity of my field staff? Uh, And ultimately, could I use um, evidence-based outcome data to improve the supplier selection and supplier um, uh, supply chain that, that, that ultimately we supported? What did PartSource do with those insights? So, Carrie, we had that view that suppliers and vendors perform differently. Our thought was we could turn that into something useful, a decision support tool for customers. When we went out and spoke to customers about this, we observed not only could they use that, but they frankly just had a process that resulted in really slow procurement, which meant parts and accessories weren't getting to uh, end users and clinical engineers when they needed it. They really didn't have the backup resources or support that they needed They really didn't have any specific buying power. And so we came back to the healthcare community with this concept of PartSource Pro, uh, a a technology-enabled solution that would leverage buying power, would leverage uh, real-time analytical insights, uh, provide supplier performance metrics, digitize the existing workflow, um, really to address the problems we observed on a turnkey basis. And that solution um, that we presented in uh, in 2015 initially became very popular with you know thousands of hospitals adopting it as a solution set um, and ultimately 
we began focused on where else they were spending a lot of time, money, and effort to keep the clinical environment up and running. Yeah, so in in our initial work with PARDS, we took a really evidence-based approach to the problem, and, and we went out and, and did a survey of hundreds of hospitals uh, uh, after speaking with dozens of them, uh, began to do more quantitative surveying of those clients, and ultimately discovered that um, many of those hospitals had the same issues. They were uh, buying parts from hundreds of vendors at a time, but largely on one-off uh, analog processes to do that. They were typically spending 10 to 15% more than was required um, than what the benchmarks would tell you those, those parts could be acquired at. Uh, they really didn't have any quality performance metrics for assessing uh, the quality or resiliency of these supply partners, and um, and they really didn't have any common platform for doing this work. And that really, as I mentioned, led to the um, introduction of Partsource Pro for parts initially back in the 2015 window, where you could achieve quality outcomes, you could achieve cost outcomes, and you could achieve productivity outcomes that were really unique to this market. Great. Well, it sounds like, you know, you really resolve the problems related to parts. Is that what led you to study contracts? Fast forward now a handful of years and uh, now with over 1,500 enterprise clients across the U.S. that have adopted Partsource Pro, we began to look at this opportunity in the service contract space, largely because it represents the largest pocket of spend for many of those organizations that we serve today. Uh, it's a $10 billion category nationwide, and we come at this problem from the, from the point of view that our job is to help root out waste and inefficiency um, in an evidence-based approach on behalf of our clients. And very quickly, we focused on the repair and service agreement uh, space, uh, which we refer to as RSA. And so we began this evaluation um, a couple of years ago to look at small samples of contracts across our um, across our client base. And what we found was was pretty interesting. So hospitals on average were managing somewhere between 100 and 200 contracts um, uh, at one time. They were um, spending significant amount of time to um, manage, renew, uh, uh, and, and implement those contracts. And they were disproportionately lower dollar contracts with highly varied pricing. Um, they also didn't seem to have a lot of vendor performance management data that was helping them guide uh, those vendor decisions. And we came away from that um, pilot data exercise with really a, this notion that we should explore this further. And so we, um, we, we took the opportunity to then do a much larger study. Okay. So was this analysis comparable to the part studies that you referenced? Yeah, we took a very similar approach. Um, hundreds of uh, hospital data across uh, 500,000 service events, over 100,000 contracts, um, and in total over 35 million proprietary data points that we evaluated. Uh, and we felt like we wanted to provide a really independent nationwide survey that would help inform a clients around what the state of the union in this area is. Um, and uh, potentially share best practices to the extent that we discovered them in the course of the study. 
Okay, so let's walk through some of those findings because some were really eye-opening to me. How many contracts are systems managing? You know, we found that an average hospital is managing 146 contracts, and it really is a tale of classic 80-20, or in this case, 75-25. And that is that um, while most of the dollar spend is in the 25% of contracts that are being managed, um, most of the work is sitting in the 75% of contracts where the value of the contract is under $50,000 per year, uh, but they still consume a disproportionate amount of time and energy. And so what we observed uh, in our research was that uh, each contract was consuming roughly 100 or just over 100 days of team time between uh, negotiation, management, contracting, deployment, uh, follow-up, and, and, and implementation, and so on. Um, and so therefore, four to six months um, to truly renew and activate these contracts. Um, so significant amount of time spent on, uh, on what is a really long tail of contracts that are required for health systems to manage. And so again, if you're spending all that time and you're getting a lot of value out of it, uh, that can be meaningful. Um, but what we observed was was actually pretty interesting when it came to pricing. Okay, so that gives me an idea of how much time systems are spending. But did you find the same issues with contract costs as you did on parts? Yeah, we identified a really interesting range of pricing for really the very same equipment. And so take a, a really common medical device um, here in the U.S., an OEC 9800C arm. We found 519 unique prices uh, in service contracts uh, in our data set. And it's not unusual to see the very different prices for the exact same model within the exact same health system either. Um, again, consistent with what we found uh, in the parts universe. Um, what's interesting is that the range, in addition to being different and unique prices, uh, the range was dramatic. 57% price range from the least to the most expensive uh, within, uh, across this basket. Um, and so the question really is, if we're spending all this time on it, how do we know that we're actually getting great pricing if there really isn't price transparency? Um, and as a result, health systems are really vulnerable to overpaying here. No, that definitely makes sense. Okay. So this lack of data seems to be a theme. Where else are systems suffering from a lack of evidence? You know, what we observe is a couple of areas. I think perhaps most important is vendor performance monitoring. Um, 90 plus percent of the health systems we spoke with did not have a vendor performance management system or tool or methodology. And so um, you may have a set of entitlements within your contract, but how do you know if you're actually achieving those entitlements um, and getting what you paid for? And because there's very little structured or quantitative data shared back with the health system, it's difficult for those um, groups to assess uh, not just any one contract, but again, we're talking about a huge number across um, potentially dozens or hundreds of vendors, the systems, the data, the processes that people just are not set up to effectively uh, survey and, and, and monitor and manage um, that vendor base. I would say the second comes, time, uh, comes down to, we observe wide variation in service strategy selection within the modality uh, or category. And that is to say, you know, within lab or within patient monitoring or within CT, we saw a huge variation in the kinds of service strategies deployed um, by health system to health system. And, and, and each were achieving various 
you know, successful outcomes. The question is, which is the right approach uh, for the kinds of capabilities in those health systems? And it would tell you from the diversity of what we observed is that there's a lot of ways to solve these problems. Um, there wasn't necessarily an obvious best practice um, because folks didn't have the outcome data to to evaluate their their relative strategies. And, and as a result, I think on the last piece is if you, if you really don't have a good sense for supplier performance metrics or uptime uh, metrics um, uh, and, and necessarily financial metrics, it's pretty difficult to put together a comprehensive enterprise-wide cost of service assessment uh, that, that ultimately informs your service strategy. Um, so lots of areas here where uh, health systems would have the opportunity to improve if they if they had better structured uh, and integrated data to work from. No, definitely. Okay, so based on these findings and the financial pressure systems are under now more than ever, it really seems like a new approach to service contract management is overdue. So how can systems overcome these challenges? Well, we observed the best health systems had taken um, a couple of really thoughtful approaches that, that we believed were more widely adoptable across the industry. One they really had worked to consolidate and rationalize um, this long tail of, of service contracts. Um, two, uh, they were finding ways to uh, take um, evidence-based approaches uh, on vendor selection, on contract selection, and they were increasingly using uh, risk-based analysis to determine what they could be doing in-house versus where they need to bring partners in to help perform service. Um, we observed that the best were achieving cost savings of upwards of 50% from their existing contract costs when they evolve their service strategy. And the best were really adept at managing asset level service costs and, and performance metrics to evaluate um, contract performance, but also evaluate their overall service strategy. Um, and they were leveraging national benchmarks on these contracts in the first place to determine whether they had good pricing. Um, these individual capabilities, I would say, weren't found at any one health system. And I would say any of these capabilities were found in a small minority of health systems. Um, so the opportunity here is how do we, uh, how do we take these observable best practices uh, and uh, help a broader set of clients across the U.S. take advantage of, of, of those kinds of features. You know, for us, we observe that, like in the parts world, if you could consolidate the workflow related to um, uh, a broad set of issues for, for teams today, like vendor engagement or, or service dispatch requests, like documentation for field service events, like payments, um, um, like in the area of collecting data, having a single enterprise workflow tool is a really powerful way to um, uh, improve the productivity of, of, of teams and improve the speed with which you can deploy these service strategies, uh, which today, uh, although perhaps made centrally, are often difficult to deploy locally in a short period of time and, and have the necessary impact. Two, um, we believe that community buying power can be a, a powerful lever here. Um, aggregating demand across health systems, uh, leveraging benchmark data to determine what the right expense point should be for uh, these service contracts is a really powerful uh, 
um, capability and uh, one that that we believe we can help um, help clients with. Um, uh, third, how do we use the same evidence-based approach that we took in parts and apply that same logic into service vendor management in the service contract space so that we're leveraging the concept of formularies or enterprise preferences where you can actually select the highest quality performing vendors in any particular geography, both OEMs and third parties alike. Um, and, and the way you do that is by having true nationally benchmarked vendor performance data. Um, and so those insights and KPIs, uh, peer reviews on, on vendor performance ratings, first-time fix rates, et cetera, all of that is used to drive not only the management of individual vendors, but increasingly where we want to allocate more of our service dollars through vendor preferences and, and, and formulary selection in particular geographies or particular modalities around the country um, to help reinforce um, high quality, uh, cost-effective solutions uh, in, a, in a tech-enabled manner. Um, and that tech piece plays such a powerful role in weaving together all these capabilities from workflow to real-time updates about the status of your service technician to outcome data uh, related to the performance of your vendors uh, to handling digital documentation, payments. And, and so collectively, this digital transformation of the work serves to both uh, eliminate a huge amount of time from uh, the, the negotiation, deployment of a contract, the engagement of that vendor community, uh, and ultimately the, the, the productivity of perhaps the most scarce resource, which are our clinical engineering teams across the country these days with an increasing number of folks retiring or coming out of the field. And we really need to focus as we have in the rest of medicine on improving the um, top of license work that nursing professionals and physician professionals can, can, um, can deliver to other folks involved in clinical operations like clinical engineering, facilities management, um, and, and so on. Great. Well, as a final question, is there anything we didn't cover and how can listeners find out more? Uh, well, there's so much around this space in clinical engineering that, you know, we at Parts are excited to help um, promote and enable. I think, you know, we wake up every day thinking about how to bring evidence-based tech-enabled solutions to, um, to clinical engineering programs around the country in support of their mission of, of driving high clinical uptime, um, which ultimately delivers, you know, caregivers the ability to have well-functioning, safe, um, and effective care. They can deliver patients every day. Uh, and those are the kind of problems that we really love to spend time on. So we've taken this model of PartSource Pro, a, a tech-enabled managed service initially for parts, uh, now uh, for service and service contracts, um, and we'll continue to innovate uh, in that uh, in that, in that direction. Um, so we're always looking for, I think, innovative folks that, that are excited to help transform this, um, this industry and this profession. Um, and folks can of course always learn more at partsource.com, uh, at our corporate site or connect with any of the, um, account folks that are, um, no doubt calling on them, uh, with regularity to, to engage on these kinds of issues. Uh, but we appreciate the time to share our perspective and, um, uh, and, uh, and thanks for your time today. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Satimi. This has been very informative and I know our listeners will agree. And to our listeners, thank you so much. And be sure to check out 24 seven, 24 X, okay, Tanya take two, 
Well, thank you so much, Dr. Satimi. This has been very informative and I know our listeners will agree. And to our listeners, thank you so much. And be sure to check out 24x7mag.com for the latest news and insights impacting the healthcare technology management field. Take care. 